You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 255 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good, good. What's been happening in Gina world? Oh, let's see. I've been, uh, well, um, first of all, I'm very excited about this week's mm-hmm. uh, episode. So we're talking with uh, Ooh, acclaimed yes. wedding photographer, Nick Jonas and Jonas, and he has been. Because uh, it sounds like you were the saying Jonas, Jonas the Jonas in, Brothers. You know, from the yeah, Jonas yeah, Brothers. Slightly and I thought, different. Oh my God. There are brothers in this family, <laughs> um, but it's Gionis. <laughs> and Gionis, he, okay. he uh, has been shooting amazing weddings for over 30, uh, nearly 30 years now. So I think we started yes. at the same time. So excited to be doing that. I've been out and about. I've been uh, working on some telly stuff. So that's kept me busy. And the other thing, Val. So did you, what do you mean by telly? Oh, so, uh, for television shows. Yes, so promo mm-hmm. and publicity for TV, and which is like sort of my main my main uh, work really uh, that and advertising. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's been keeping me busy, Val, is uh, we know it's cold in Melbourne. I've complained about it. Mm. For, no, nothing like you get in the Northern Hemisphere, I know, but cold <laughs> enough to be uncomfortable, uh, single digits, which is very cold, and. My heating valve, the central heating, yeah. is very temperamental. So here's oh, the thing. You need to sort out. Here's nothing. the thing. It works yeah. first thing in the morning, works beautifully. <laughs> Somewhere around <laughs> 1 o'clock in the afternoon it goes, nah, that's it, we're not working anymore, and it won't work right. again till the end of the day. And someone's explained that it has really? to do with my gas line not having enough pressure, and it's kind of like mm. Wi-Fi. You know how there's um, peak Wi-Fi when it's 7 o'clock, yeah, everyone's yeah. watching Netflix? The same thing's yeah, happening yeah. with my gas. So it's freezing at night. But, and I told you about this hack last time we spoke, but I haven't shared this. Someone taught me this thing that you do because it's cold. I'm freezing at night, mm. right? You get a hairdryer, right, and you put it under the covers and turn it on. It's got to make, make sure that the back bit that, that sucks the air in isn't covered because that's yeah. dangerous, but you blow hot air into your bed for a few minutes, mm-hmm. all right, and then you get in. Heaven, heaven, heaven. The best thing, like better than jars of Nutella or the best cake you could ever oh, eat. Come I am on, just like rolling around going, Nutella. oh my God, this is the best thing ever. So I'm going to save this hack for those times when I'm staying in a, uh, a hotel and it's a little bit chilly or, you know, anywhere where I don't have all the comforts of home. The hairdryer hack. Give it a go and let me know what you think of it. Maybe imagine if you had a jar of Nutella and the hairdryer under the covers. Yeah, that would, that be, would be heaven. Yeah, I did mm. that last two nights ago. Actually, I um, yeah, 
had, a, had a, like a 2 a.m. session, just me and the Nutella. It was very yeah, nice. Right. Oh, yeah. It's too good. It's too good. So oh, I haven't yeah. replenished it. Haven't <laughs> replenished it. Because I have no self-control. Zero. Zero self-control oh, when it comes to Nutella. Dear. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> so I have not been cold because I have a heater that works. Yeah, good. You don't have one that's a bit sensitive. Mine's just sensitive (laughs) mine doesn't go on strike no um but what have i been doing this week let me think um i want to give a big shout out to paul from the gold community because i was speaking at an event earlier this week and um in sydney um about and it was really for anyone but often be basically for people relating um it was for people in relation to their professional life typically because the topic is how do you know if you're good enough good enough yep you know how do you know when you're good enough for that project or that gig or that role or that board uh, you know position or whatever it is and so it was it happened because i wrote my, um in my newsletter a few months ago on that topic how do you know if you're good enough especially when you're a creative because it's so subjective mm. because you know when you are say a mathematician or a um, engineer or whatever, it's a little bit more tangible because there's certain knowledge that you need or problem-solving skills that you have to have. And you either get that Excel spreadsheet right or you don't, Mm. you know what I mean? But when you're creative, it can be hard to know when you're good enough. So anyway, I wrote this in my newsletter and this group contacted me to speak on that topic at this event. And it was so great to bump into Paul, who is part of the – who is part of the gold community uh, over at GinaMilitia.com. And, um, yeah, it's just good to meet part of people in, from the community in real life. Fantastic. And, and Paul's a great photographer. I've just been uh, – we, we mm. just did an, an AMA with uh, Paul uh, last week. And asked me asked anything. Asked me anything, which was uh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. How exciting. Well, there you go. Anyway, so we also want to draw your attention to, if you're not already – part of the Facebook group, the listener community, all you need to do is search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and it's free to join. We would love to have you in there. Um, So, yeah, drop on over because it's full of some pretty awesome people. Fantastic. Yeah, they are. It's an awesome group of people. And I've been um, sort of visiting a a lot of uh, photography Facebook groups. And I think there is like a a way that you, if you are a member of a Facebook group, you can get so much out of it. And it's, it all comes down to how much you put in. So I think it's a matter of like, you know, if you show up to a party and just sort of sit in the corner and not speak to anyone or not do anything, um, you're not going to get a lot out of it so I think if you're going to uh, be a a member of a a Facebook community like a photography one like our so you want to be a photographer Facebook community uh, when you uh, go in 
like other people's work, comment on work, and then you'll find that when it comes time for you to share stuff, you've, you've already um, developed that relationship. And I've seen friendships, uh, long lifelong friendships form uh, from the Facebook community where photographers are then going out and assisting each other and giving yeah. tips to each other, swapping gear. So there's so much that can be gained uh, from being a, a part of a, a community like that. And when you're asking questions, questions in a group, make sure that your questions, uh, uh, you provide uh, a lot of detail in the question. So it's not a matter of just like posting the shot and saying, um, please uh, critique this image because kind of people don't know what it is that you've done or what level you're at. So don't be afraid to say, hey, this was my first shoot with say off camera flash. And this is what I wanted to achieve in the shot. How do you think I went? Any any help would be uh, much appreciated. And these were my settings because that helps everyone who's looking at the images uh, sort of to get an idea of what you were doing, what light modifier you were using, what time of the day you were shooting and what exactly what you were trying to achieve. So I think if the more you put into your posts and the more detail you provide, uh, the more you're going to get out out of that, uh, that that shoot. And also, I think it's a lot better if you provide the original images rather than linking from an outside source because once you link from an outside source, people don't like to click outside of Facebook groups. So if you can uh, include the original image, uh, I think it As makes... As in upload Yeah, the upload image. the original image so that we can see it. And, and But you don't mean the original image before it's been photoshopped. No, 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 no. And another really yeah. good thing, a, a thing that just get this into your workflow, make it a point of when you shoot. And you can do this with your phone. So just before you're ready to start and you've got your lighting set up, you've got your model in place... Uh, and you've got the whole scene, get your phone out and take a behind the scenes shot of your setup mm. because this is something, A, that you can re- remember for, oh, well, I wonder how I'd, I'd really like to recreate that. What did I do? And it's also really helpful when you're receiving critiques because everyone can see exactly what you did, where the lighting was, and uh, people are able to give you uh, a better critique based on that behind the scenes shot. So just put it in your try and remember next time you you do a shoot that like if you're going to share and post try and get that behind the scenes shot because it's super super helpful and uh, yeah just try and make sure that you participate a lot more Um, don't just uh, you know post your photo and run and and not be part of it it's a community and you'll get a lot more out of it if you participate. And a great way to learn photography is to actually um, try and constructively critique other people's work. And there is a technique to this because you've got to remember that everyone is sensitive when they're um, sharing their work. So I always make a point of the, the first thing that you want to say when you're critiquing someone's work is what you like about the shot or what you think they've done, mm. uh, they've nailed in that shot. So it's, you know, all the yeah. positives. always start with with the good stuff and then what you think that 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 they could do to take that image to the next level and any other uh, tips that you might have but always make sure that when you're critiquing uh, be mindful of the person that you're critiquing positives first and then you want to offer information to take that image to the next level and remember that everyone is at, at different levels so you know um, you, you've also got to be mindful of that and like make it a, a community 
Yeah, fantastic. So if you're new to this podcast, then that is a great place to start. The uh, free community on Facebook, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. And of course, if you want a bit more personalized mentoring, then have a look at the gold community because you've been busy with the gold community this week, haven't you? Yes, I've been recording photo critiques. So with the gold community, uh, what they'll do is they'll upload their their images, they'll upload their raw files for me, behind-the-scenes images so I can see where their light was set up and then I will run through those images and help them um, show them like what I love about the image and then what they can do, little improvements to take that image to the next level. We also, in the goal community, we workshop uh, photo shoots. So if someone's planning a shoot, uh, they might have a, a shoot coming up in the future and then we sit down with them and we'll work out, okay, here's here's the lighting scenario I think you should be working with. I'd go out and practice that. So often before the shoot, there might be three weeks out, I've given them um, several exercises to do before they do the actual shoot. So when it comes to shoot day uh they're so ready that they absolutely nail the shot and we also i've just uh finished uh, uh a tutorial on editing skin tones so that they're nice and uh, even so that's a sort of next level editing in photoshop but we also cover uh lightroom tips for absolute beginners so it, it, we've got all different levels in the community haven't mm. we val so we've got absolute beginners yeah. and two pros that are out there making money and shooting um fantastic stuff so it's great to see how far people have come Mm. so if you want to find out a bit more about the gold community have a listen to this Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, now it's time for Nick Gionis, not Nick Jonas. (laughs) I wouldn't say no to Nick Jonas if he was on the podcast, but okay, tell us about Nick Gionis. All right, Nick's an amazing photographer and he's been shooting weddings for almost 30 years. And like when you listen to this uh, interview, you can tell um, not only by his amazing work, but you can hear in his voice that he really loves his job. You can't fake this kind of passion, Val. And so, you know, whether he's off travelling to some exotic uh, 
destination wedding somewhere in the beautiful Mediterranean, which is where he just mm. returned from when we did this interview, Lovely. or he's shooting in the suburbs of Melbourne. He's invested in creating uh, beautiful, authentic, uh, original images. And uh, in this interview, he shares his approach to planning, posing, and shooting a wedding. And he really, we talk a lot about the importance of capturing the person the unique experience of each wedding rather than because I see this a lot unfortunately with weddings where some wedding photographers will develop a style and then every wedding looks the same there's just like this formula Mm. Nick doesn't do that and he prides himself on the fact that he will make sure that he's shooting uh, the uniqueness and capturing the uniqueness of uh, each day so he, he goes into great detail we talk a lot about how he plans for uh, his destination weddings and all his weddings and the sorts of wed- lessons that he learned from shooting his first wedding. The fact that he does do a little bit of uh, shooting intuitively, and this is like a skill that he he is a real people person. He, he knows how to read the room. And I think with 30 years um, of shooting, obviously hundreds, even thousands of people that he knows um, how to read the room and his first jobs uh, working as a security guard, waiter, barista. I think they taught him a lot about how to connect with clients and how to know which direction you're going to go. You know, you're going to match their energy. If someone's, uh, you know, a bit louder and, and out there or you want to, if someone's a bit quieter. So we, we go into that a lot. He, he even breaks down for us what a second shooter does. Uh, he talks about his switch from, uh, shooting with DSLRs to becoming uh, an Olympus uh, shooter and his mm. favourite lenses and lighting systems. And You mean Olympus mirrorless? Olympus mirrorless, yes. He's working with that now and, and uh, what a godsend that is because he's sick of carrying uh, lots of heavy gear. I can, I can certainly re- relate to that. And he goes into his favourite uh, lighting systems and, and lenses and as I said, the, 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 I think the, the standout to me was the, the fact that how important it is to capture the couple on the day rather than shooting to formula. And we also go into uh, the importance of pre-reading a wedding checklist and what goes on and what you're asking when you're interviewing the bride and the groom and how important that is. So shall we have a listen? Absolutely. Here we go with Nick Gionis. Nick Gionis, welcome to the show. How are you going? Oh, well, thank you, Jenna. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to speak to you. I love speaking to photographers who are world-class at what they do, and there's no doubt that you are uh, a world-class wedding photographer. So I'm very excited to get some tips and some of your techniques before we start. Sure. Where in the world are you? At the moment, I'm back in Melbourne. I just came back from um, a great whirlwind trip in Greece after doing two fabulous weddings in the islands and did a workshop as well. So I'm grounded now for the next couple of months, but I am looking forward to September. I think we're actually we're both speaking at the Biennale. Not the Biennale, the... Um, I wish it was the Biennale, but the, I know, right? you know, no, both off is just as good. Both so, Bo- Bright <laughs> Festival of Photography uh, in at the end of September, you'll be presenting a workshop. Uh, we're, we're actually doing similar workshops, Nick, and we I are, noticed that I they're both that. on at the same time. I know, I know. So, uh, hopefully, you know, um, the one person that will come to me will. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll get something out of it. Because uh, I love your work, by the way. No, I just, no thank um, you. I went on your website um, before when you got invited for the podcast and I had a look at your work. I was like, oh, my God, amazing. So I'm very humbled. Thank you so much for this. Oh, likewise, Nick. It's great great to be chatting to you. So um, just on, you've just come back from Greece. You did a couple of weddings on the island. Before I get into how you got started, when you're um, planning, because I know, like I, I – um, uh, I've noticed that the uh, the aviation industry has changed a lot. It's a, it's a lot harder to get your gear on board and all yeah. of that. So when you're when you're um, doing a wedding overseas, what what sort of strategies do you have in place to make sure that you've got all the gear that you need? And and also uh, when you land, if you're shooting in a location that you haven't uh, been to before, what are you doing to sort of scope out that location? Are you getting in early? What, what what's your process for that? Well, I, well, that's a couple of good questions there, um, and it's probably a good question for me to plug Olympus as well because um, with uh, the gear now we're using Micro Four Thirds, I, I can put a lot more yeah. like you know on board luggage these days, which is fantastic, and that that has become a problem to be honest with you. And um, having having your wife come with you sometimes is great too. Can you give her some stuff as well? Oh, so she doesn't but, get any carry on. Just no, like, no, on, you don't no, need anything. No, don't it's need all anything, gear. It's all gear. <laughs> this is the, like. But as I look, to be honest with you, I actually um, got all the, the. I got. I, I didn't bring all my lenses that I would normally would bring. Yeah. So first of all, I would just choose lenses that I know that'll have all the focal lengths that I would need, maybe a couple of zooms and maybe a couple of primes. Yeah. Um, but I don't need to bring, you know, all the, you know, the large, the larger lenses with me as well. I try to bring at least two to three bodies with me. Um, I don't like putting things into, um, not carry on, what's, your, what's the opposite Un- of carry yeah. on? Un- under, well, under, yeah. Under whatever, yeah. yeah. I don't like, because I just, I want to make sure that when I get there, should everything else fail, I still have all my gear with me. So yeah. um, that I need. Uh, and then literally when I start, what I do though is if I have some extra flash gear, which is going to be a bit more um, awesome lights that I want to carry with me, I might put that in um, on, you know, under, underneath as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, before those fouls, I have everything with me. I have all my batteries already charged. I have everything already formatted, ready to go as if I literally pretty much get off the plane and start shooting. Yeah. Just in case, you know, and I think um, that's one of that's my first my first put of call. And, and I, as I said, I mean, I I just say a bit of, you know, a bit of a jest here, but the truth is that, you know, um, with the, with my new system that I that I'm carrying around, it has made it a lot a lot more easier um, to, to travel with. To be honest with you, so um, and I think I, I I actually weighed it, and it was eight eight kilos. Um, so that's which two was, bodies and your lenses. Two bodies and my lenses. Um, what actually, else have you got in there three. in the kit? So I've got batteries. I've got yep. backup batteries as well. I've got um, uh, actually no. In my laptop bag, I had my card reader and my laptop and all that sort of stuff. Um, well, which I had my which Sharifa was carrying with with me. Um, but literally, Sharifa is my wife. So if I keep on calling Sharifa, you know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. It's my wife, so you know who who I'm talking about. Um, so yeah. So when I say lenses, cards. Uh, batteries, um, flashes, obviously, uh, and that's pretty much pretty much it. Um, D- lapt- uh, hard drives. Um, hard drives. I beg your pardon. You're right. Hard drive. I've also I also get USB sticks. Um, I see you thing- transferring onto um, little USBs as well. So, like as when well. you shoot a wedding, how how yeah. um, 
what would be the average if it's, size? If, so, so if it's at, if I'm uh, if it's overseas, mm. um, literally what I'll do is I'll have a hard drive that I have with me, but I also have a USB. Mm. Um, and if I know that I'm going to be away for a long, long time, I would either if if uh, just say I was in Greece, so I had I knew someone, so I just gave him my USB and said, keep keep my USB if I need it. I know that I've got a backup, so should something happen to my camera bags or get yep. stolen, there's not, you know, so I've, I, I'm pretty, excuse the expression, anal about yep. making sure that, you know, I've got backups everywhere. So I would drag things. Um, in terms of, of how big, look, I generally have in my, because I've got two slots in my camera, so one will have a 64 um, gig um, card um, for all the rolls. Do you feel and the that? other one, nah, never. Good. Um, I never feel it. Neither, neither do, but it's just so that I have to sit there and change him. But I also have a 32 gig card as backup as high res JPEGs. So right. I don't do raw, raw. I do raw and high res JPEGs. Okay. Um, and that's just, again, the high res JPEGs are pretty good because I'm pretty much a shooter that tries to get it right in camera. So I don't, I don't do a lot in terms of post. Yeah. So um, having that, literally, I'll have two. Yeah, two cards. Generally, never, I'd, never ever do I get them filled up. I never have to change the guns. I've never done so. Um, and then I'll pretty much back it up onto my hard drive. And then I had a one, one twenty-five gig stick. Again, I only had it um, a hundred twenty-five gig stick just so that I can make sure there's more room if I need to put some other stuff on there as well. So I'm just, you know, I, I sort of become over um, protective. Which one I call it? You need to be. Just to be just to be sure, yeah. So, um, and that's what I that's how I pretty much. And then in terms of scoping, um, I tried. Or I never I never want to travel where there's um, like a day. I want to if it's overseas, I want to make sure that I leave every you know plane delays, everything that could possibly happen. Yeah. So I can make sure that I'm there on time. Um, and I do I do. The scoping that I try to do, I don't necessarily go out and scope so much, other than um, where's the actual reception, where's the um, you know the service or ceremony that sort of stuff. Um, I find that that um, and I, it's probably kind of you know surprising to a lot of people. I actually like pressure. Um, yeah. I enjoy being put under the pump. I find myself a lot more creative when that happens, yeah. if it makes sense. So no, it makes a lot of sense. You know, and I just feel that, that um, and I think one of, the, one of the workshops that we're doing in, in um, uh, BFOP, is it BFOP or BFOP? How's it, how do we how do you pronounce it again? BFOP, BFOP, no, BFOP. You know what I'm talking about. In yeah. Bright. The workshop in Bright, one of, the, um, one of the workshops is about, you know, pretty much creating something out of nothing, literally trying to put myself in that, that, under that particular stress yeah. situation because – as I said, I just find myself, you know, a bit more creative in that respect. However, when you do travel, there are little things that you have to worry about in terms of, you know, how do I get there? You know, cars, or I have to hire a car, do I have to, you know, um, all those sort of things that, that are pro- probably a lot more easier to, to navigate when you're in Australia. Um, and for this, there's one, actually, the one we did in Samos, is an island in Samos, which is beautiful. Um, I actually went to the church to see where the, where the church was based. I don't know how to get there and stuff. And sure enough, I found some really cool stuff. And I think one of the things that really a lot of the times it helps, not so much for yourself but for the couple, if the couple know that you've been there and you've scoped it and it gives them confidence. Mm. So, and it's like it's one of those things where, oh, my God, you know, um, 
I texted the couple and I said, hey, oh, my God, this church is amazing. You know, this location is beautiful. I went to, oh, fantastic. So it just gives them that confidence that, you know what, you care enough to actually, you know, um, they're not going to know that that's, you know, if I said to them I want to put myself under pressure and I don't really want to, they're going to go, oh, my God, don't, don't give me that shit. <laughs> they're going to freak out. Freak out, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of want to make sure that they're comfortable and say, hey, you know, I love the area. I've seen the place. It looks amazing. Um, I like to travel. Just I like to explore anyway, you know. So when you go to any of these locations, um, I saw some amazing locations. And this is this is this is um, briefly about the island in Samos. And on the way there, you've got these great spots. I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Um, how awesome would it be to shoot here? How awesome would it be to shoot there? But the reality is, on the actual wedding day, particularly when they have their kind of schedules and you've got wedding planners and that sort of stuff. There's only, uh, you know, a certain thing that you can do. And, and in this instance, what was really important for them was to visit the family home, hmm. which, was, which was away from everything. And it was like, okay, so we're just driving past all these beautiful spots that you can shoot just to take a photograph of the grandparents' home in the village. And it was like, well, you know, it may not necessarily have been, you know, Instagram worthy or, you know, oh my God, but you know what, how, how special it is to ensure that you've got you know, a legacy here, that you've photographed, you know, um, the granddaughter in front of the grandparents' home, you know, and it's, it's special to them. It becomes special to me because, you know, um, it, it's, it's, that's what we do, you know. It's not just about pretty pictures. It's not just about, oh my God, you know, um, look at this great, amazing sort of landscapes and amazing things. And if we were able to sit there and, and shoot, and create something for them that they're going to love for years to come, and that's what that's what we do. That's what, you know. Um, so what if we didn't? If we miss out and taking all these other locations on the way there, you know, um, if I did that and I didn't give them what they wanted, then I'm not doing my job. Fantastic, yeah, because it's it's about creating those memories and and finding those locations that are significant to the to the bride and groom. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So um, just on that, like that, putting yourself under pressure. Do you think that it's like you nearly thirty years in the industry, right? Yeah. And yeah. Do, do you think that it, it like because I know when I'm shooting, uh, I, I I kind of I stop thinking in a sense, and it's just yeah. like the the loveliest place to be is like when you're in the zone, and it's just like stuff just happens for you, and it feels like, and I, I say this a lot to the students that it's like once you've done something enough times, you're no longer thinking about the settings and uh, focal length. It, 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 it just becomes um, something that you're almost doing intuitively and you get yourself in this zone and it's the most uh, beautiful feeling. Uh, it, 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 is that what you find? It's like you just, you, you feel where the light is? I mean, it's it, hard it to is. explain. No. But no, it is. It's almost like, well, the best way I, I explain it, and it's exactly what you said, it's almost like it's hypnotic driving. You know when you go somewhere and you're driving, yeah. And you're like just going naturally and you go this and oh my God, how do you get here? You just like, you know, you listen to your podcast or, or you're listening to some music and you just get to your location. Um, you're not really thinking, you know, I'm, I put my switch on to turn right. I'll make sure that, I, you know, I'll do my, you know, my U-turn or whatever it is. And you, you don't think about the road rules. You just know that you know the road rules and you, and you just instinctively do those road rules. Similarly with photography, you know, once you've done it, you know, you, you, know, you get your settings your settings and, and knowing, like I, I try to tell my, my students is 
before you even go to that shot, as you're pre-visualizing that shot, you start changing your aperture, your ISO, you do all that kind of stuff before you get there. Don't get there and start chimping, looking down at the camera and like that kind of stuff. You're like, if you're looking at a light, you think, you know what, it's going to be roughly, you know, 1250 ISO or 1600 ISO at about, you know, 200th of a second at f2.8 or something like that. And you find that after a while, you might be a stop, you know, either way, you know, or you might nail it the first time, you know, and often, you know, it's quite funny when you, when you sort of, when you're teaching and you're doing that and you kind of nail it straight away, it's kind of like, you know, you that drop mic as if like, you know, I do this every time. It doesn't always happen, but you know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, that was pretty cool. Um, and I think, you know, this is, this is what you're, what you said is quite, quite right. And then I think what happens is that, um, when you get yourself in those positions of when you're going to someone's home or location, and one of the things that, that happens, as you said instinctively, you sort of see where the light's falling. You see where everything's going. You think, you know what, this is going to be, this, is, this would work well. And more often than not, you might walk into a home. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier. You've got an Italian background. I have a Greek background. And generally, they might have a, a lounge room full of doilies and, yep. you know, all these things. And that they're like, this is, this is where we're going to shoot. And they've taken the, they've taken the plastic cover off the... Yeah. Uh, oh, they take the plastic of, cover yeah, off for you? you know, just yeah, well, this is this is a special occasion. It is so a, it's a special wedding. occasion. So you we hope. take that, you, yeah. So you take that off, and you know you're allowed to you're allowed to walk in on your shoes and all that oh. kind of stuff. But generally, it's normally the worst light. <laughs> so you're like, no, I don't want to shoot here, and you might end up shooting in in like I don't know in a laundry or something. It's like no, 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 you can't shoot here. You know, it's like well, but, you know, look at this light. I'm not I'm not taking the laundry. I'm just taking a <laughs> section of this. You know, and it's. It's quite funny to see, you know, parents freaking out about like where, you, where you're photographing because, especially when it comes to European families or you know ethnic families, because they're so sort of proud of their you know heritage and making sure that everything's right for people back home. So well, yeah, that that's kind of across the board. And and uh, at at what point do you think in your career that that, that you had the confidence? Because I know that when you're starting out, it's so easy. When you're not confident about your settings or the lighting and you're kind of second-guessing, it's very easy for uh, other people in the either the wedding party or the wedding planner or the, even the makeup artist or the stylist to just start chipping in with their suggestions. As soon as you're hesitating there on the shoot, everyone's like, well, what about over here? Even the bride and groom are chipping in. How... How long did it take you to to develop that confidence to say, nah, we're shooting in the laundry and because I know how it's going to look? Do you remember that, that day when you just like, I've got this? I think, uh, look, I've come from a background um, where I've worked in so many industries and, and hospitality and, um, and I've learned very quickly to become a chameleon. So it became, and I was kind of lucky with that. In the, and no matter what job I did, whether it was as a kitchen hand, as a waiter, as a barista, as security, there is no job I haven't done. Um, and and it, it kind of held me in good stead when it came to weddings because then you were able to sit there and go, okay, this is how I should act for this in- instance. This is how I should be for that instance. You know, so I would be – oh, a lot of must come in and become a chameleon. So when, I, when if I showed any kind of fear, mind you, inside I'll be sick. I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, you know, the duck – the proverbial duck with the water, you know, on top yeah, of the calm, calm on you know? the top and yeah, freaking and like, out underneath. Freaking out in there. So I'll, I still have that kind of feeling, but um, I also knew that if I showed that kind of fear um, or if I showed that, that, that I wasn't confident, I, I would lose them. And that was my, that was something that I think wasn't necessarily from my training in photography, but more 
from all the jobs that I have in the past. You know, even security, if you think about, you know, just as a security guard or just to do security, so for armor guard, you know, or anything like that, you know, if, if um, you know, the, the whole thing of like, if, you're, if, if there's a volatile situation, you know, how to diffuse that, how to, you know, making sure that, you know, you're, you're in a position of like, um, not necessarily power, because that's kind of, it's counterintuitive because if someone wants to sit down and punch you out, but it's more about taking control and all that kind of stuff. So all that, all that experience from all those jobs coming into weddings and photographing people, it really sort of held me in good stead. And I think that's probably um, something that the confidence, if, because I, I get that often asked from students, I'm sure you do too, Jen. It's like, oh, you know, how do you get people not to? I said, well, if you're chimping, looking down, and you're like, you know, being very sort of quiet and saying, oh, can you just stay over here? And, um, uh, you know, like you're sort of stuttering and you're not really sort of doing it, then people lose confidence. Mm. And that's when you start losing um, losing your um, direction. So I think um, I was able to fake it quite considerably earlier on. Um, yet, um, as I got as I got better, it was almost like people start start um, booking you because you sort of like they just trust you, do do whatever you want, Nick. You know, and that's that's the kind of the um, the good part of where I'm at at this stage in life. You know, so I'm very lucky in that respect. And I think the other thing is too when you, when you're going through this process of like, you know, you're, you're, I've freelance a lot as well as a freelance photographer back in I think we started around the same time. Yeah. You know, as a freelance photographer, um, I'd never had the liberty of actually meeting couples. So I would literally roll up to the home, shake their hand and say, hello, I'm your photographer for the day. Um, so that kind of grounding and that kind of teaching, it was, um, it, it, it's a little bit different than today, I think. So you've got the, um, when you, you're, you're turning up as the second shooter, is that right, when you were freelancing? No, no, as, as, a, as a main shooter. So as the main as, shooter, but how come yeah. you never get to meet the couple? Is because you just sent out from a company that, that's yeah. your wedding for the day. So, yeah, that's, that's your wedding for your day. He, this is back in film days. Yeah. So he's, this is um, medium format days. Here's your 10 rolls of 120. So you literally have to shoot 120 frames, Yeah. Um, which, again, was a great learning curve as well. So here's your 10 rolls. Uh, here's your, and, and, um, and here's a 35mm um, to put in your um, 35mm camera. That's just for like a black and white sort of version as well, just so they can sort of have that there. And that was literally, that's what, that's all. I had to come back with 100, 120 frames and 35 mil um, of, um, of a wedding. So that's a full wedding, mind you. Um, so every shot had to count. So, and literally that's how it was, was. I mean, initially to learn, I would carry people's bags and go there and literally just sort of, you know, just observe for two years, um, not getting any money, obviously, just basically just doing it for nothing just to learn yeah and then you know then eventually it was like okay can you do a groom's coverage okay can you do a bride's coverage can you do a ceremony can you do reception then all of a sudden you do you're doing it all so um and as i said you just pretty much roll up to the house and hello i'm your photographer and that was it and we started um started shooting so you've got that like it, it really is in that kind of that first minute of meeting someone that they're going to size you up and decide whether they like you or not. I mean, I've heard it's less than that. People will decide if yeah, they like that, you yeah. when they're watching you walk across the room. So uh, are you aware of that or is that just something that you've um, honed from all those years? of? So you've said you before you were a photographer, you were a 
security guard. You did a barista. Did. You're a so waiters are fantastic at, at, oh, at done, good I, ones are at yeah, reading the yeah. room. So, um, yeah. and I think that's an essential skill to be a great portrait photographer to be able to, uh, like you said, match the energy of that's another right. person and yeah. uh, sort of. Um, yeah, you, you said it right, like become a chameleon. So, you know, if someone's going to be uh, maybe like loud and extroverted, then you're going to raise your energy and kind of um, match that. And if someone yeah. is a bit quieter, will you drop your, your energy as well just so oh, that you, you're not overbearing? Absolutely. And I think that's uh, – look, as I said, I mean, I've, I've done other businesses as well. I, I, I had a chicken shop. I had, you know, um, fish shop, the paying fish shop as well. So, look, there's just been – I've just been – Everything but photography. I think yeah. that's that was, um, and even when I was doing my photography, because back in the days of film, um, being self-taught, it was pretty expensive to buy cameras and yeah. to you know to process the things. So, so I would work two, three, four jobs at a time, you know, just to sort of what I call feed the habit, which yeah. was obviously my photography. <laughs> that was my that was my crutch, um, and you know. I think that, like I said, all those jobs that I was doing over the years and everything just really held me in good stead. And I think, as you said, they do size you up pretty quickly. And, and I, I think what a lot of photographers also neglect is that, you know, when you're there, you're not only just photographing the couple. There are people who are your potential clients later on. There are also people there, the parents. I did The wedding I did on the weekend on Saturday uh, was a large Lebanese family. And going to that wedding, um, I shot their brothers and their sisters and I've shot – cousins or that wedding so I felt like I was part of the family you know and I think this is you know um a testament of the kind of um not, not only photography because photography people have this this thing about okay the photography is going to be great and sure sure enough it does but you know the experience is is probably as important if not more important because particularly when you first start out you know when I first started out I'm I was nowhere near the photographer that I am today but I was I was super aware of making sure that I made people feel comfortable and, and had a great time and you know um, the energy was right and, and you know the service was fantastic and um, and that was all part of part of my makeup it wasn't it wasn't contrived does it make yeah. you know what I mean it's, it's kind of like, it's natural that, it's that's natural. your natural state that's right and I think that's that kind of was my asset and and I had one guy who wanted to come out to learn and he came out with me and. He was with me for six months uh, to the point we were, you know, we were in a dark room together. And, and I said to him, look, you know, we've been here for six months. I hardly heard you say boo, you know. <laughs> you really should be, if you want to be a photographer, perhaps architecture is your way or food photography, something where there's no, where there's no people, you know, and it's, and it's okay. You know, if you're not a people person, then, then pick a particular genre that you don't necessarily need to deal with people. And, and you know, whether it's architecture, whether it's something – you know, different. If you know, don't don't force it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this guy, he was not a people person. He was, so we spent six months together. We're in this, we're in the dark room together, and, and I'm all, I'm doing all the talking. It's like it doesn't it doesn't work. You know, you need to, you know, you need to do something else. And um, you know, it, people don't like to hear the truth, but I think he he appreciated the fact that you know I was actually honest enough to give him some direction there. Yeah, no, I think that's that that's uh, super important to be someone that actually enjoys being around people. Um, that's right. Yeah. To, to bring out the best of them. So, just going back now to um, your first wedding, can you remember that and uh, like as, as ha- how you how you felt? On, of course, and how you felt on the day and. Uh, 
what were the um, the standout lessons from that first uh, first wedding that you did? Okay, so um, my first wedding was in 1989, and by this time I'd worked. Oh, not, I want to say worked. Uh, well, two years or two two three years, I was I was actually at a studio just holding bags and just doing small gigs here and there. And a girlfriend of mine said to me, "Look, you're shooting you're shooting my wedding." And I said, and I laughed again. Yeah, no way. Like, I'm not going to shoot your wedding. I don't want to ruin your wedding. But um, and I, I left it at that. So I didn't really, you know, I said no, and that was it. Two weeks out of the wedding, she said to me, "So what are we doing on on my wedding?" I said, "What are you talking? What are you talking about?" <laughs> He goes, oh, well, I told you you're doing my wedding. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not doing your wedding. So I just like freaked out. And he goes, well, I can't book anyone now, so you're doing it. So she pretty much forced my hand, to be honest yeah. with you. And, um, and it was two weeks out of her wedding day that I actually went to a camp. I think it was called Benton's at the time. It was in um, Heidelberg Road. They've since gone. Um, and it was a camera store. And I went in there and I bought my Mets Hammerhead Flash. Oh, my God. Um, which was, um, you know, it was the first time I actually bought one. I said, okay. How do I use it? And it was like, okay, so um, if you're using fulfill, and I had this diagram, I wish I actually just threw it out a few years ago. I should have kept it, um, and and I had it written down. And I said, okay, these are your kind of settings. This is what you need to put it on, and um, and that was my you know fast track of how to how to uh, fill flash, um, you know, portraits and weddings and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, so on my, on the wedding day, I was a smoker back then as well, so. I think I smoked two packets of cigarette that day. It was so, a two pack, two uh, pack job. Oh, it was it was just <laughs> disgusting. And I was, I, I, I was taking things and and as I said, I didn't look on the outside. I tried to be calm and not look like I was freaking out. But I was just freaking out. I went home that night. I was vomiting. I was sick. I was just, I was God. a mess. I was an absolute mess. And then I um. I think back then you had to pay extra money to to get the. Um, the the proofs earlier. So if I wanted a a, a a fast turnaround, because I could not wait, I was like, oh, I need to get it. I just can't. I can't sleep. Like I need to get the photo. I look at the photographs, um, and so I paid extra for the photographs. And my uncle, who used to be a photographer, um, shot behind around my shoulder and had thirty five mil, and and he just um, and we got his results back from the chemist because it was back there was just like an hour chemist. Chemist thing, so it was like you know, it's and such it was a like blast from the past. I, I know, right? I know, I know. I know. I feel old, but hey, you know. Um, so then I, um, I we had a look at his 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 work there, and it was it was fine, but it it wasn't really like, you know, um, wasn't kind of up to speed, so to speak. So I thought, okay, the pressure was even more on, and um, as I said, I paid, and I I didn't even look at the at, at the proof, so I quickly got I got the bag full of proofs and. Um, back then, there was a bag and there's a roll of, um, I think I did five by fives because she was a friend. So it was like a five inch by five inch proofs. And I didn't even look at her. So I'm going to go straight to my uncle and we'll, um, we'll roll it on the on the, um, on the dining table and we'll have a look. And as I was rolling and I was looking at him, and it's like, I would say to this day, it was really like, you know, par, on par to, you know, to weddings that a lot of people will shoot today. And my, 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 Uncle was hitting me on my, my shoulder. You did it. You did it. And I was like high-fiving and, you know, little tear and that kind of stuff. I was just so, so excited. And I think – and I'm, I'm probably sound a bit crassy, but it's like your virginity. Once you've lost that virginity, that was it. That was like, you know, oh, give me a woman now. Like give me the wedding now, you know. So I was like <laughs> – so I think that's kind of um, – once, that, once that, that sort of that was broken, I was, I was right. And I think I, I, I was – 
I kind of knew what I was doing at the time, but not necessarily confident that I was doing the right thing. Particularly when you buy a flash two weeks out and you're not really knowing what you're doing with the flash. Quite quite poignant now being an Electron ambassador. But hey, yeah. you know, back then it was just, oh my God, how do I um how do I use it? So um, and if someone sees it today, they probably think, oh my God, Nick, you use a hammerhead flash. Mets back then. Well, was that just, was the yeah. go. That was the it go was. then. It was, you know? exactly. So exactly. do you think, like, you had that two years where you were just watching, um, carrying bags. How important was that? And do you think that there, there was a, a lot more that was uh, sort of burned into your um, subconscious than, than you realized from uh, that two ab- years? Ab- absolutely. It was invaluable. It was invaluable because just remember, as I said to you earlier, we were given, you know, 10 rolls of 120 film. So unlike today where we can just shoot thousands of frames and hope to get it right, we needed to get it right in the camera. We needed to get every part of the day um, documented. And it would be like, okay, four shots here, four shots there, the family, this, that, and the other. So um, the understanding of light and the understanding of composition and the understanding of of um, posing and all of those things that that were like um, really important to 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 cover a day um, was part of the whole the learning curve was a whole, part of the whole process of making sure you got it right in camera so that you, you weren't wasteful in your frames because you can't waste frames you can't waste a single frame you know and you know if you if I went back to the studio and I took say you know four images of a cake, it was like, why would you take four images of the cake for? You know, like what one was enough. You don't need four. Right. Um, and that was like, okay, um, unlike today where people are shooting, you know, you know, 500 detail shots, it's like, well, I'll only use one frame of the cake, Nick. You don't need four, four frames of cake. Why are they going to use one frame? They're not going to buy it. So, and for them also what was important, um, and it was back in the halcyon days of print, where you know we did, a, I did a lot of migrant families, um, and the family shots needed to be we needed to be spot on because there would be multiple, multiple, you know, um, orders of all these family photographs that were taken, um, that would you know were printed, but also you know delivered back to the you know the countries whether it's you know Macedonia or Greece or Italy or wherever it is, and it's like you know uh, one shot for this family, one shot for that family, one for you know, overseas. So there's just, there was a lot more. Um, what's the word for you? you? You needed to know your shit. Excuse the expression. Yeah. You know, you just you couldn't. You know, you couldn't just sort of be like a weekend warrior that you decided that you know I'm just going to become a photographer and just work, you know, a day a week and just get a couple of hundred bucks and hopefully. But you just you just couldn't. You know, um, you just needed to know everything about you know the whole process. And I think that's um, that actually was a really good learning curve for me because over the years. It held me in good stead in my business here, and it held me, held me in good stead in um, in my you know my photography overall. So, and I think I feel I'm like you know looking forward, and, and I, as much as people you know, grumble, especially our age, or you know I say our age, but our vintage of of shooting for so many years, you know you, you see people grumbling about the fact that you know oh you know photography now it's all you know digital and all this sort of stuff, and I'm like you know what. Um, how good is it? You know, I was, I loved, I, for me, it was like the best thing since sliced bread when I, when I, when I found photography and it was my I calling. Agree. I just loved yeah. it. It's like, you know what? How awesome is it now? Everyone else has got the same, you know, has the same sort of love for it, you know? And I think, 
you know, I, I don't, I, I used to be, you know, a little bit, you know, down on that. I think, hang on a sec, Nick, who are you to have that pleasure only of being a photographer? You know, how, how awesome is it now that everyone can, can, can have that pleasure as well? So, you know, I've, I've done a big 360 degree turn. Fantastic. So let's fast forward now to today. Um, okay. So when you're going out and shooting a wedding, uh, as a general rule, are you shooting with an assistant? Have you got a second shooter? How does that look? So I, I always have someone with me, an assistant, and, and more often than not, 99% of the time now, it's my wife who also shoots. And um, how does that work? Like um, working with your wife um, yeah. on a day pr- under pressure, you know, sometimes the please and thank yous get forgotten in the heat of the moment. Um, do, you, do you work well together as a team? Uh, we do we're really well. We yeah. work very well together. I think we've been together for in terms of working together for like almost 17 years. And, and I think I know my strengths and she obviously knows my weaknesses. <laughs> I know my weaknesses as well, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we're sort of um, – we, we complement each other in, in terms of like, you know, if I'm running the day and I think <laughs> I remember the, uh, there's one time where um, I'm trying to make this bride feel sexy and very kind of like, you know, in the mood and all that kind of stuff. And, and Truth was talking to her like they're like getting on a, like a house on fire and they're talking about, you know, everything else. But and I said, Trufa, you know, shut up for a minute. <laughs> like I, just wanna, <laughs> I just need her in the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot, I forgot. You know, we have a bit of a fun that way, you know. So, we're, look, I think – I don't, I'm actually quite respectful anyway. I don't, I'm not, I never, I don't try, I'm not, and it's not, it's not hard for me to be not, not to say the thank yous and the pleas and the stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we pretty much um, have respect for each other and, and we know, and I think doing for so many years, one of the things as a second shooter, and if I ever have anyone who else who shoots with me, and sometimes I do, I ask them, look, I, I've been doing it for long enough to know that I've got the best angle and the best light. What I want you to do, I don't want you taking a different photograph of a different of the same shot. I'd rather you, well, if I'm taking a photograph of the bride, keep your eyes out and peel that one. If the mother walks in and she starts tearing up, or if the mother walks in and goes, "Oh my God, you look amazing," that's a photograph I want you to take. And the more often than not, that's the ones that Sharifa keeps on taking. And I, I hate it. I actually, when I say I hate it, I just love her role. And I wish I was a second shooter because that's the kind of photographs that I want to keep on taking. So but she's mate, doing the candid stuff, um, she's doing and, all which that is sh- yeah. super important for a, a second shooter. And, and you're focused on, uh, I think, what you do best is is creating those uh, beautiful moments. But like when you're shooting, is it? Are you trying to let the the image unfold in front of you, or are you helping it along and kind of giving them a starting point? How, how does that work? I think it's a bit of both. Mm. If, if it's happening organically, then I don't step in. Um, I will just you know, let, it, let it happen. Um, when I need to step in, I would step in, but then I give it enough room for, um, for a little bit of um, spontaneity. That's the word for it. Yeah. So that, you know, um, and, and try to create the atmosphere to that. You know, if I'm, as you mentioned before, we were talking about, you know, being a chameleon, but if I'm out there being, you know, loud and trying to push things and all that kind of stuff. And it's all, all of a sudden you're not actually letting that the, the couple or the bride or the groom or, or the, the bridal party or the parents or anything like that. You're not leaving enough room for them to shine. So I'd rather be, you know, give them that space, give them that sort of, you know, that at the time to be able to, um, you know, be natural in, in an environment. But, you know, and, and if I need to step in, I'll, I'll step in um, and, kind of tweak things that I have to tweak if I have to. 
But, uh, you know, I think over the years I used to be a bit more pedantic making sure that everything was right. But I've actually let that go quite quite considerably now. I, can't, I, can't, I kind of call it like the perfect imperfection, if you, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the things that, that you know, people kind of cringe in this whole thing about posing, um, I, I, you know, it's direction. It's not really posing, you know. And I think, you know, when you see these, these awkward poses and this terrible posing and that's why people are kind of like, oh, don't pose me. Well, of course, if you're going to look like that, I wouldn't want, to, I wouldn't want my photograph like that either. And I think that's kind of there's a, there's a fine line between that, you know. And I think this is where where, you know, um, uh, you know, there's I, I, there's this thing where I find um, I struggled with for quite some time. And that was the um, the whole the American Gothic type stance where you have people holding your hands in the field mm. with blank with their blank faces. And mm. I was like, I struggled with that for for quite some time. Yeah. Um, and I think this is um, you know, I know it's a fade, and you know, I know it's. It's art of, of sorts, but, you know, it's, it's – I try to get the emotion, you know, it's, whether it's an emotion in the hands or emotion in the pose or the smile the, or the eyes or whatever it might be, and that's kind of what I, what I look for. So when – like the, for the three or four weddings that I've ever shot in my career, like I found that when you turn up and the bride's getting ready, everyone – as a general rule, everyone is so stressed out. Yeah. So when you're arriving, um, what are you doing to just um, try and uh, get the mood nice and relaxed? And or if anything, or is that an important time? Those getting ready shots, or are you just allowing you, you want to capture the that that mood and that energy? Have you got an approach to that? I think my approach. Look, I have I have a um, a repertoire of uh, dad jokes, which um, sometimes Fantastic. go down well, which yeah. is really cool. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of people don't really understand is that a lot of the work is done before the actual day. And that, I think this is where people kind of miss the point. Like I would go through at a pre-wedding meeting and I will ask every question under the sun mm. because they don't know that things that are normal to them may not necessarily be normal to someone else, you know. So I'll ask questions like, you know, are both parents together? They're separated. They're divorced. Are they living? You know, is there anyone um, who needs a little bit more attention? Attention. And I might even they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, does your sister have Tourette's? So if, she, if I walk in and she starts swearing at me, I know. And that it kind of they have a laugh about that, but that kind of gives me an opening to say something like, does anyone have a disability that I need to consider? Does that make sense? If I yeah. said that, then it kind of like you know because you know. A disability is not really a disability to someone in the family. You know, it's like, no, you know, Joe, young Joe is not disabled to us. You know, he may have something, but, you know, for us it's normal. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, So, you know, and I would I would start off with a joke, like, does does someone have Tourette's? So that if they start yelling and screaming at me or swearing at me, that, you know, I won't take it personally. And they will have a laugh at that. Oh, actually, you know... You know, young Johnny has, you know, has a bit of autism, but he's okay. Or mum suffers from, from a bit of anxiety or whatever it is. So that all this work that is done prior to the wedding, and I, I'm talking about detailed stuff, then when I'm coming into the wedding itself, they're relaxed because, you know what, they know that if, you know, mum all of a sudden gets all anxious and she starts carrying on, that I'm aware of it and I can, I can sort of, um, you know, diffuse it or if I know that, there's a special needs um, that needs to be um, considered that, that I would actually do. And I had, 
the wedding actually, um, the wedding in Samos actually, there was um, the brother um, of the of the groom um, said to me that um, look, you know, my um, nephew, you know, has you know, had a little bit of autism, but he's not too bad. But you know, be wary, all sort of stuff. So as we were shooting, the um, the dad put, put me aside and I said, look, um, can I just let you know? I said, that's fine. I've already been you know, told. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, and because I was aware and because I already um, sort of scoped out and knew what was happening and I literally had the kids, both kids, um, on my side and they were like, I was high-fiving them. They were like relaxed and comfortable. And I even, I even had the opportunity that once I did the family photograph with the groom, I took the groom out and I thought while the energy is there and the kids are responsive and, you know, everything is really good, I'm going to do a quick family portrait you know, of them as well so they can have, you know what I mean? So that's, you know, this is back to what I was saying to you earlier in regards to it's not just the groom that you're photographing. You're, you're there. The whole family is there, yeah. you know. And if you leave a, a, um, a good sort of vibe, a good energy, a good, a good sort of impression, then, you know, you're likely to get a lot more other family members, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's kind of, you know, because um, I know I, I have family with, with, you know, well, people who have got different disabilities and you know what, um, if there's an opportunity to take a family shot where normally they won't be able to, then you know what, why not let me quickly seize that moment and give them something that they possibly would, would love for years to come. And that's kind of what, what, why I would go to a wedding and, and I don't really get that, that much um, resistance because, you know, I've come into the wedding fully prepared um, in terms of, you know, the, the dynamics and the family dynamics and, you know, I had um, I had a wedding once where my, my son he said to me, um, "Dad, I want uh, I want some some money." And I said, "Look, okay, you want you know you want some money, you come out and assist me, and um, I'll give you some money." How old How old was your son at that point? He, at that point, he was about uh, fourteen, fifteen, yeah. I think it was something like that. Um, and now I've I've, um, I've um, my son's from my first marriage, so I've I've, I've um, divorced and remarried. Yeah. And, you know, at that age, he was still a bit, you know, he was a bit, um, I don't know, angry, you want to call it. He was still young. So, he was an adolescent. You know, adolescent, you know, right. and it was like. Didn't, you know, like, didn't like you much or did he, did he think you were well, uncool he, at that point? No, he liked me at all. But, but you know, coming from, a, coming from a sort of a, you know, like divorced his mother and I got remarried and that sort of stuff. So, you know, the whole, the whole kind of, you know, the aggression there yeah. was, was, was still, still a, little bit, um, a little bit sort of sensitive. So. And I roll up to a wedding where, you know, again, this, I did a pre-wedding meeting and um, the both parents, um, the, the, the couple's wedding, wedding, the couple's both parents had, um, had divorced, but they've also remarried. So literally there was like the family photographs were just insane <laughs> to try to get all these combinations. But what was really nice about this wedding was that even though everyone was divorced and remarried and repartnered and they got step, stepchildren and all that kind of stuff, everyone got on like a house on fire and they were dancing and stuff. And it was almost like, I picked this, this this wedding specifically for my son to go. See, son, this is how it should be. You know, yeah. look look how everyone's you know getting on, and you know, um, this is what what life should be like. Needless to say, they weren't Greek or Italian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's another thing altogether. But um, yeah, and I think that's what, I think for preparation, um, it's 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 imperative, and that's I think it's also imperative too to be able to take. A lot of people say a lot of times about my images, perhaps being. You know, very emotive, emotive, and very um, sort of whether it's lighting or whatever it is, there's there's a connection there. 
and more often than not, purely be able to listen to what the couple um, want, listen to what they want. And once you start going through that process and then shooting for them, you'll find that you'll get some amazing images and they will connect with you and they will love the images with you because it's like, you know what, um, this is exactly what, what, what we wanted. So, um, yeah. So just, just looking at, at your work on your website, it, it, it's clear that there isn't a, um, a template. Like I've seen um, there are many, many photographers and I know it works successfully for them when they can just um, turn up to a wedding. They've got, they've got a template. This is how I do my um, walking up the aisle shot. This is how I do the getting ready shot. And th- these are all the, you know, the hero setup shots. But every wedding looks the same, and it's like it's one size fits all. And you don't do that, so that's is that part of the like you feeling the energy and everyone is unique. It's harder to do it that way. Oh, but... Jenna, you know what? You're just speaking my language. <laughs> For someone to say that and look at my work, it pleases me so much, and I, I really appreciate you having the um, I don't know the articulation or even the being able to view that and see that. And that's kind of what what I, I strive. I actually do strive to making sure. That every wedding I do, I try to do it to you know to fit the couple that I'm doing. Not the and other I think way around. Not not the other way around. Mm. And I, and I, uh, it's almost like someone says to me, "You need to create a niche. You know, you have to be, you know, you have to have a certain niche." And I think I almost struggle to put myself in that niche because I want to be able to say, "Well, not really. I want to be the kind of person that I can photograph anyone and anyone or everyone." Um, according to their kind of likes and their sort of personalities and their sort of feel. And, and, you know, if you want, if you want hipster, I'll give you hipster. If you want fashion, I'll give you fashion. If you want, you know, um, PJ, I'll give you PJ, you know, and that's, you know, what do I love? I love all of it. And that's just it. And that's why I don't want to, you know, don't pigeonhole me. I don't, don't, I don't want to be pigeonholed. I want to be able to, to, to rock up to a wedding and, and go, right, you know, this has a whole different energy. You know, I did the wedding I did on the weekend, as I said to you, I did the whole family there. And each couple had their own personality and each couple's photographs are different. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And that's kind of what, what, what sort of drives me, you know. And to, for you to say that really pleases me. I'm going to give you a hug when I see you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's, uh, well, well, that, that's my – I believe that's how everyone should be photographed um, and, uh, you know, not one size fits all. Um, yeah. So just, I mean, we could go for, if we're allowed to, we'd be, be talking for three hours, but I've got to be mindful of time, but I've got a few sure. more questions. Please. Oh, um, no, no, I, all right. I can talk, so, I can talk uh, underwater. T- today in Melbourne in the last few days, we've just had like hail, torrential rain. And so you've got the day, you've got the amazing location. And even if you were doing one of your, um, you know, overseas weddings, uh, weather doesn't always play nice. So have you got um, a go-to or, or, or somewhere where you will take the couple if it is pouring with rain and you can't go outside? What, what are some tips for some photographers, newbies coming through where, where it's like, okay, it's not going to be great weather for shooting outside. What do you do in those situations? I think, look, I was, okay, I'll give you a great example on the weekend. I think this is probably a good example. I think um, the weekend's weather in Melbourne was um, a little bit... Um, was shocking. It was shocking, but it was um, it was raining and stopping and raining and stopping. And I think, um, you know, there's a, a friend of mine who um, 
we have a bit of a jest with I went out and, and had a bit of a play with him one day at a wedding and he goes and I was mucking around and he goes do you always yell at your couples and we had a bit of a laugh now when I'm, when I'm talking about yelling I'll give you an example of what I was talking about so it's it's a huge Lebanese wedding now so like we're talking about 400 guests so um, the that's a small had, Lebanese wedding, actually. That's a small, yeah, it is. A probably well, back in back in when I first started shooting, six hundred fifty to seven hundred was quite um, normal. But um, yeah. things have changed considerably uh, now. But, um, but anyway, so we're we're at this yeah, we're at the wedding, and um, and there was a break in the rain. So as the people are congratulating, literally when I look around, I look down and I say to myself, okay, um, the rain's going to stop. And I think this is where we need to take control um, and go. Okay, guys. Can I get your attention quick, really quick, do a quick, quick group shot? And I got everyone all together, finally corralled them all to do a group shot. And because at that moment, at that, that particular moment, I'm actually the center of attention. And at that moment, I, that's when I started communicating. I said, guys, we are very lucky. We've got, you know, the gods of, the gods of uh, you know, I'm not religious, by the way, but anyway, I said, the, the gods uh, are on our side and it's not raining. We're able to get these photographs. But what we need to do is some dark clouds here. Do me a favor. As soon as I do this group shot, I need the immediate family straight away to the right. I want you straight. To, do, do not dilly dally, please. You know, let's not let's not um, let's not push it. So, you know, again, took the group shot. Quickly did the family shots. As soon as I did the family shot, um, I then I, what I try to do is what I call some bank shots. What I call the safe shots. Um, if I have an opportunity to do the bank shots and the safe shots, I'll quickly do them. Because I know that, you know. What, what is a bank shot then? A bank shot or a safe shot would be, you know, your full length, you know, um, bride and groom photograph with the flowers, like your traditional stuff. They're like right. your, your for, bank shots. For, for before, mum you know, and dad to put on the top dad, of the television exactly. in a frame. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because I think one of the, a lot of the times, particularly when you first start out, you know, people kind of go, oh, I want to go creative and go creative and miss out <laughs> on what the most important shots. Get the important shots done. Then once you've done the important shots, then you know what, go creative. But if you don't have all the important shots, all the must-have shots, the parents, the photographs, the parents, you know, your, your traditional shots and all that sort of stuff, and you come back and you go, look how creative I am, look how amazing and creative photographs are. They're going to say, look, I don't give a shit. I don't have photographs with my mum or my dad or I don't have photographs, you know, that my mum could put on the wall or anything like that. That's not me. You know, that's your interpretation of my wedding, not not my interpretation, if it makes sense. And, and, so, and sorry, just to interrupt, yeah, the, the, sure. back to the uh, the bank shots, uh, how does that look? Do you have a, uh, a list, a pre-prepared list of all the shots that you, like all the money shots that you need to get? Uh, and I do. And are you checking those off as you go? I, I do, but I, 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 now I don't check them off. It's just it's in my head. So right, but cert, when you were know, earlier but, on, as you were starting out, did you actually physically write down that list and go, okay, bride and groom, bride and yep. groom with Uncle Charlie, bride and groom with mum exactly. and dad. You had all yeah. those down. So I had, I had a list, and that, that list I give to people who I train or who I who yep. I um you know train to shoot for me. I said these are all the shots you need to do. Right. This is you know how to do it, and I'm making sure that all these shots are done. And captured for a wedding day, and I think and, that's that's important. And back to that list, are you also um, making sure that you're getting uh, like the empty room shot, the shot of the flowers, uh, and are you are you giving those to the uh, suppliers on the day, the car shot, all of those? You're doing that as well. Absolutely. So yep. all all of that is all part of the the process. But what I also do is, is I've taken that trainee back again from my from my day of um, you know film days, um, times of the essence. And when you sit there and, and, and take, say, 
the bouquet of flowers. And you're, you're throwing these flowers all left, right, and center. Let's put it next to the mantelpiece. Let's put it next to the window. Let's put it on the chair. Let's put it there. You're, sp you're spending valuable time, um, you know, doing all these detail shots. I'm saying do the detail shots. Look at where you want to do. Look at your color palette, whatever it is, so they can all match for your album. Smash out all these shots that you need for details. Obviously, now with Instagram, with Facebook, and all these tagging and stuff, they're super important to get, you know, traction. You know, do all of that. Make sure that you have, you know, a, um, a list of suppliers prior to the wedding from your bride and groom so that you can make sure that you can tag the right people so that you can obviously market to that. You know, all of that. I mean, I, we can – this is like a whole – I'd love to talk to you for three hours about all this sort yeah. of stuff. But this is certainly it's things that, 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 that are, that are a must-have shots. And that, that list um, is concise but also long. So makes sense. Yes. Um, and that's that's because it goes through the detail of to every, every little detail. Um, and whilst it, it it may be obvious, it may not necessarily be obvious to to everyone. Um, and that's kind of what I find sometimes. Look and so why would you do a photograph of this person, but you didn't do a photograph of that person? Mm. Or why would you? Do, so it's like there needs to be a structure um, as part of that wedding day to ensure that those those sort of money shots and those um, must-have shots are done before you start becoming creative and start doing all the creative stuff. And, and, so, and just yeah. sorry, just on that, no, no, um, it's okay. uh, a lot of newbie photographers that are starting out are going to say that okay, I've I've booked this wedding, I can't afford an assistant. What I never do you say used to, to that. I never used to have an assistant. Really? I would always you did it all by yeah, yourself. I used to always do it myself. I never had an assistant. Mm. An assistant. I have an assistant now, or it's like with my wife or someone else with me now, only because it's like it's a luxury. You know, yep. it's not. It, it, so you it, see it, it as a luxury, not a necessity. Not a necessity, mm. exactly. I don't. I don't. And when I book, when I do the inquiry and I book people, because there's a whole thing at the moment there. You know, oh, you'll have two photographers and you have two this. And I should say, so look, I always have a second photographer, but I can guarantee you. That if I said to you, look, I'm so sorry I missed a photograph between you and your mother or you and your father. My second photographer should have taken that. You're going to say, Nick, I didn't hire your second photographer. I hired you. Yeah. So the responsibility is on me as a, as a main photographer to capture those. The second photographer is, like you said, it's just a bonus. Right. And that's kind of what that is. And that you shouldn't be relied upon to capture, even to capture the um, those candid moments. I love capturing candid moments. I look out for those candid moments. I'm not going to say, look, I'm only going to do my pose shots. I'm only going to do my setup shots because I've got the, the, the candid shots covered by my wife or my second shooter. That's not that's not the way. I mean, I, I look for it. I just I just basically that's part of my my job. It's part of my repertoire. Um, and I used to shoot on my own. And sometimes too, if I have to go, you know, if my wife's not available and I have to go say three hours out. To, um, to a shoot or two hours away or Shepherd or something like that, I might say, you know what, I don't really want an assistant. I don't want no one in the car. I want to put my, you know, my podcasts on or my Greek music on or I want to sing out loud and not really worry about anyone, you know, judging my voice or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's kind of like I just want that, that time on my own. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's – you know, it's certainly I don't use – I don't use – I don't need a second photographer. I mean, it sounds really um, – um, arrogant, but it's not necessarily the way. When, even when I didn't know as much as I do today, um, and that was back in the day when I used to shoot with medium format camera, yep. and the weights were even heavier and all that kind of stuff, I still shot on my own. So, you know, um, 
Fantastic. All right, just a couple more to finish. Uh, so just do you want, uh, do you want to talk, answer the, the 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 rain thing? Yes. So we'll, we'll yeah. do the rain one. Yeah. So okay, so, so. You, you can like in Melbourne, there's a saying: if you don't like the weather, wait a while. So you can even if it's exactly. pouring and and hailing. It, it will break. There's only ever been one day that I've it, – it's never lifted for me, but aside from that. So you can me. wait for a break, but but let's just say you're somewhere where it's just that, that fine drizzle that is never going to clear. What do you do in yeah. that case? So, look, in, the city has a lot of, have, has a lot of under, undercover locations. So that we're, pretty, we're pretty fortunate with that. Um, if we're able to sit there and go to a cafe or go to a restaurant – go to, um, you know, book, book a bar or then on the weekend I was actually quite lucky even though the, um, the weather broke and I was able to shoot um, elsewhere as well. Um, they booked Melbourne University, so it was a lot of cover uh, oh, under, under, under Melbourne Uni. Yeah. Um, look, I think, you know, it's funny, a lot of the cars, I told you before that I, I kind of work well under pressure. If I'm at a, in the church and the driver said, look, it's going to rain, we're going to go, I don't have, I don't actually have, in my head where we're going to go, but it's amazing. As soon as I walk out, okay, we're going to go here, we're going to go here, you know, yeah. like it's just all of a sudden it just, it just comes out like I don't know where it comes from, but all of a sudden I know where to go. Yeah. But if I had to plan it, I'm not very good at, at sort of um, telling the driver, look, yeah, after the rain we're going to go here, unless it's already predetermined. Right. Okay, okay. fair enough. Uh, so now just on gear, so um, I know you, you're shooting with the Olympus system. Have you got a uh, – You've got two or three bodies. You're saying so. What what lenses have you got? Have you got fixed, and are you working with zooms? How does that look? Okay, so um, I got the uh, the EM1X, the uh, the new uh, the new flagship camera with um, the EM1 Mark II. Um, so they're the two that are the two types of um, types of bodies. But I've got mm. I have two EM1 Mark II and. And the um, E1X. I always carry two bodies when I'm shooting. Mm. Um, one with, um, again, I, I, depending on the, the um, depending on, on what I'm doing. So, I'll give you an example. On the weekend, I shot in um, St. Patrick's Cathedral. Now, for those of you who don't know oh, St. Patrick's, Patrick's Cathedral, it's a big, it's a big, big, big venue, but it's a very long, very long walkway as well. So, I had one camera with my, um, um, what was it, 24? To 100, no, sorry, 12 to 100. I can't remember now, but it's it's a long lens. It's a big one. I should have my camera with me. Um, so what is it? 40 to 40 to 100, right? Um, or something like that. So it's it's um it's a long lens. Okay, so um, on one of them. So that's what what how how fast is that? 2.8. So you that's, always that's, like like to shoot with a fast lens, especially for like shooting inside and things like that. Yeah, so sorry, it's a 40 to 150. Sorry, right. it was a 40 to 150. Sorry, I should have should know that. And is that like a 70 to 200? So the, uh, equivalent to that would be like it would be like an 80 to 300. Right. That's right. Okay. So that's for me to be able to zoom in um, you know getting some nice closer closer um, closer uh, expressions of the bride and groom walking down not bride and groom bride walking down with the dad and yeah. kids and stuff so I'll be able to go zoom in for that. But also, I had a um, a wide lens on my other body, um, which was the uh, twelve to forty for me able to, which is twenty four to eighty, yeah, um, to capture a wider perspective, so I can make sure to capture the grandeur of the of the church, yeah, as well as the, the stained glass window and all that sort of stuff. So again, depending on what the occasion requires, is what I will actually change my lenses to do. 
Um, I'm loving my 45 mil, which is a 45 mil 1.2. Um, amazing lens. It's sharp as anything I'm using. That's like a prime lens, yeah. which is equivalent to a 90 mil lens. Right. Um, and that's, that's beautiful a, portrait that's a, lens. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing lens. Um, and I, I, I use all the lenses that, that I have in terms of I don't, I don't stick to one lens. Um, I'm not one of those photographers that say, you know, I'll shoot everything on a 25 mil lens or, you know, which is a 50 mil lens or something like that or, you know, uh, the whole wedding. I would, I would go into scope out what I need to do and say, okay, I need a lens that will actually ca- capture, you know, make it a lot more wider. It might be an 8, eight mil lens, you know, um, to get, you know, uh, more of a sort of the, like the spire. So if I, if I um, outside, the, outside the church when the bride arrived, I had my 8 mil lens to be able to capture, you know, the, the whole of the church. Yeah. A lot of the time, you know, because it's such a large, such a big church. So I said, look, guys, bride, bridal party, you know, fix the bride's dress here um, and not just the door. That way they can see, you know, the grandeur of this church, they see the spires, they see everything. So, you know, um, if I was just had my fixed, fixed lens of, say, 25 mil lens or something like that, there's no way no one can capture that, you know. So, you know, I think... You have to understand that when you're going through, if someone's choosing a location, they're choosing it for a reason. And there's a reason why you've got to make sure you capture that. Yeah. And then, so, you know, it's not just the, the entrance of the church. You know, it's the whole church. It's the grandeur of this church. It's the lead light. It's everything. You know, so that when they come back, they say, okay, Nick captured all of it. You know, it's not just the emotions. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people um, – you know, get sick of the same locations, as, as do I, you know, having to go to locations. But, you know, before you start becoming creative and say, you know, I'm going to do something different with this location, give them what they have in their head of what this location looks like. They may have seen photographs in Pinterest. They may have seen photographs on, online from other photographers or even their own. Give them their, 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 what they have in their head because they're not, they're not going to know any different. Then be creative. Don't go, okay, you know what, this church I'm going to cover a little bit different now because I want to be, I want to be someone else and do something completely different. Then, then they look at it and say, well, what, what's that, what about that traditional shot that I've seen hundreds of times before? And you can't go and say, well, you know what, I'm not going to do that, that shot because I don't want to do the same shot like every hundred other people. Yeah. Give them that hundred people. Get them. It's like, it's like, you know what, put that in the bank. There you go. That's for it goes you. in the bank. You know, right. That's in the bank. Now, now let's do something creative. Now let's do something a little bit different. And more often than not, they'll love, the, they'll love the creative one. But if they don't have the one that they had that they've seen, then they're not going to know that the creative one was better than the one that they've seen. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, when you're doing these um, uh, interiors uh, of, the, of the ceremony, are you using any fill flash or are you just using available light? I'm using most times, 99.9% of the times I'm using available light. Yeah. Yeah, so, and look, you know, uh, I have this thing at the moment where it's like, you know, you use micro four-thirds, what about ISO, what about noise? And I can tell you now that if your noise, like obviously, no, I don't really, doesn't bother me so much, but um, assuming that um, if, you, if, you, if you expose correctly and you have, I can shoot 3,000, 4,000 ISO, not a problem, as long as it's exposed correctly. If I'm yeah. underexposed by three or four stops, you know, it's like, well, obviously it's going to be very noisy. Why, you know, no matter what, what you do. And I have this, this, this argument with someone the other day just for a bit, of a bit of a laugh. And he goes, oh, you know, you've got 10-stop range. I said, if I'm 10 stops out of a photograph, then I'm not, I shouldn't be a photographer. No. You know, so, you know, it's kind of like give me a break. You know, it's like um, it's, it's certainly something, um, something that, that, 
is, is obviously not a discussion for another time. Right. And all right. And so um, when you're shooting with Phil Flash, uh, what is your modifier of choice, if any, or do you mix those up as well? I mix those up a little bit. Um, a lot of the, I, I very rarely use on-camera flash unless it's, it's in the reception where I need to get in tight and, mm. you know, um, people are dancing, and, you know, particularly with a lot of these um, ethnic weddings where you're like full on, everyone's on a dance floor and you've got yep. to be in there. Um, but generally, most times it's off-camera flash. I, I kind of I do err to the grid. I love the um, mm. the, uh, the grid because it gives me direction of light the way I want to do it. it gives and is me there a more... preferred um, brand that you like to use? Well, I, I obviously you know I, I love my Allen Croms, yeah. so you know I have that that gives me that sort of uh, the ability to overpower the sun, which I'm just it's just you know gives me that beautiful sort of quality of light so as well. So which um... Which Allen Croms are you using? The Quadra system? What What are you using? The I use the ELB four hundred, right? The, um, the, the, the Quadra, um, yeah. and the, the modifiers, the Octa. Um, the deep Octa. I'll, I'll bring that. The deep Octa. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll use that a bit, but on the wedding day, um, generally, I probably, like I said to you, I probably use a lot more. The uh, I have like a thirty um, honeycomb grid, like I think yeah. it's 30, thirty degree. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, honeycomb grid, um, purely because it gives me that kind of ability to sort of. You know, direct the light where I need it to be, rather than having to flash it uh, completely and go everywhere. So, um, and that's kind of, I just prefer that kind of dramatic lighting. I think that's pretty much. And now, look, with um, I've also now sort of using uh, MagMod system, which is really cool. On the um, on the. Um, it's a great uh, system, actually. Oh. I just uh, saw it recently, and it's very uh, cleverly designed. It is. It is. And then I've been using that a lot. Um, Indoors at the, at the um, the bride's home, um, again using the grids and, and what have you as well. Also, in terms of available light, um, I have um, ice light, which is like a um, uh-huh. uh, my brother Jerry um, basically has designed this uh, light. It's called ice light, beautiful LED light. Um, so I have that, um, which is quite powerful too, um, with the barn doors and and look, I, I I'll be honest with you though, and I think this is where. Where I've sort of, I'm, I'm kind of changing a lot as as we do over the years. You've got to keep on evolving and changing and evolving and changing. Whilst I still do what I do and love the lights that I use, I am trying to do um, a lot, a lot more photographs that are going to be a lot more pleasing um, to the current current clientele of people who just basically, you know, if I just, I, I'm finding those kind of dramatic shots. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not sort of loved as much as 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 what, like, I'll give you an example, okay. We had some amazing images over the weekend, um, and because of Pinterest, and because of all this sort of Pinterest stuff, um, the bride wanted me to go to McDonald's. And it's like, really? <laughs> okay, so we're at McDonald's taking photographs. Um, and that's, you know, feeding each other chips. Right. You know, Pinterest has a lot to answer for, as far as I'm going to say. Yes, kind of thing. <laughs> so, you know, I have to be careful. Like, I have to give, as you said before, I have to go through and, and mix it up a bit and making sure that there's, there's enough there to not only feed, um, you know, photograph, uh, feed a couple, but feed my own soul as well. So it's, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just loving what I'm doing at the moment. I'm just learning a lot more about video these days. I'm, I'm full on. I want to sort of do a lot more video. I've got a video in my business. So I want to, I want to shoot more video and, yeah. and do a lot more video as well. Cause I'm finding that's part of like, I always want to learn. There's not, I don't, I can't rest on my laurels. I just want to keep on, you know, what else can I do? What else can I learn, you know? Um, 
looking at other people's work and you know getting inspired and saying, okay, you know what, look at Jenna's work, it's amazing, it's fantastic. Okay, this is what you know. Who else is doing some some video stuff that I really love as well? Or, yeah. So you know, I'm doing I'm doing a lot more video today and than I ever before, and I'm, I want to, you know, but my next goal is to to you know shoot a whole wedding and edit it myself. You know, it's just it's just the kind of stuff that I think it's part of any kind of creative. If you're stuck with one 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 way, you'll just you'll never grow. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I can I can hear the the passion in your voice and the love, and I think that's uh, that's amazing for someone who has been shooting uh, for thirty years. I can see that you're just in love with as much in love with photography today as when you started. Oh, even absolutely. more so, it sounds. It is, it is, because you know what? I'm getting I'm getting a new lease in life all the time. You know, it's, like I look, yeah. I was I was really, and I know it sounds really silly, and I think you know you probably think okay, you're just trying to spruik the brand, but ever since switching from Olympus, I've got another another sort of boost, you know, because yeah. you know the, the cameras were getting so heavy for me, my arms, my, yeah. my like I would come back from a wedding, I would pop, you know, neurofins and and yeah. um, you know Voltarins, just just so I can sleep, you know, because I was just so so much in pain. And all of a sudden now I've got this sort of a lighter system where I'm like enjoying it more and I've got like, okay, you know, what can I do now? And I'm just, you know, I just keep on keep on wanting to reinvent myself and that's kind of what um, what it's all about, isn't it, at the end? It is, it is. Uh, it's so, so, so amazing. I, I, I love hearing the passion. I really do. It's, uh, it's been an absolute joy to chat to you today. Uh, Nick and we will we will catch up at uh, at Bofop in September. Uh, before you go, where can people find uh, see your work? What website, Instagram? What's all that? Yep. So um, it's all my name. So basically, Nick Yonis. So N I C K G H I O N I S. That's NickYonis.com. Um, Nick Jonas. Uh, not, on. It's not the Jonas. You're not part of the Jonas Brothers. It's the, the Jonas no. Brothers. I wish I was. <laughs> I wish I was. Because your brother's also no. a photographer, right? He Gary. is an amazing photographer, mm. uh, world class photographer. You know, great educator. He's probably one of the best educators yeah. uh, out there. In terms he is of, amazing. Know, he, he, yeah. His uh, presentations are great, and he developed the uh, the ice light. That was his. Uh, That's his right. Little was, invention. Fantastic. It, no, it was fantastic. Look, he's. I'm so proud of him. Like he's living now in America with um, with his, with his beautiful wife Melissa in um in Las Vegas, and it's, it's just, you know, um, just it's just amazing. He's really really cool. So you know, we have the whole we are so we're not the Jonas Brothers, but probably the Jonas Brothers are probably better. The um, <laughs> you should you but, need to um, do a yeah. um a, a piss take of that. <laughs> yeah, we actually we are doing a workshop in November actually. So um, <laughs> Jonas Brothers, we've got we've got the Jonas Brothers uh, workshop. <laughs> In November, this is the first time we've ever done one together. Fantastic! So five, That'll five be amazing. So you know, it's on my website. So go on to nickyonis.com under photographers, and there's uh, details there. And Instagram. Um, Instagram, Nick Yonis again on Instagram. Facebook, Nick Yonis as well. Excellent. So um, also have my business, which is Excite Photography and Video too. So if you right, want and you website. do um, you do workshops and mentoring as well? Absolutely, a lot of workshops and mentoring. Um, I think at the moment. The one that we're doing the, um, is in November. Is is, um, is there any? But I like I like the lot, lot more one on ones these days. Mm. I think I find they're a lot more um, focus on the individual, and which is which works really well for me, because you know everyone has different sort of levels of you know where they're at, and um, I find that when I do one on ones, people get a lot more out of it because it's like, okay, you know, these are my weaknesses. Let's fix this. What, what can we do? You know, all that sort of stuff. So that really works well. 
Yeah, so if you're uh, wanting to uh, learn about wedding photography, I encourage you to go check out your site and, uh, you know, if you get the opportunity to do a workshop, it, it sounds like an amazing experience. Nick, it's been fantastic. Thanks so much for chatting with me today and I'll see you in uh, at the end of September. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you so much. There we go, Nick Ionis. Awesome. Fantastic. Mm. So what are you doing in the coming week before we speak again, Gina? Oh, my God. So I am uh, shooting Lifestyle this week, which will keep me busy. I'm going to be enjoying my new hair dryer. <laughs> oh, my God. Stay away from... Can you just fix your heater? Yeah, like maybe. Wouldn't that be the solution? So, and the other thing, Val, is binge watching. I'm halfway through the latest season of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Uh, and the yeah. reason I say this is because the, the, um, it's Jerry Seinfeld interviewing yes. comedians. They talk yes. about the work and it actually relates to any artist. You know, how do you, how do you, um, Keep your creativity. What do you do for the creative process? What's your what's your workflow look like? And it is so fascinating to hear that, especially when you when he interviews a uh, comedian that's had a very long career. That the, the advice they give applies to any creative. I, I'm I'm just Great. hooked on it. And plus, the cars. Oh my god, the cars are amazing. What about you, Val? Okay. Um, well, I'm going to be, let me just think. Oh, so many things. I'm going to be, um, still on a high from where I went last night, which was sing along a greater showman. No. <laughs> greater showman. Oh, right. Yes. It's a special event that you get to sing along okay. and while they play the movies. So yeah. that was awesome because yeah. I love musicals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not your cup of tea, Gina? No, my ears are bleeding. <laughs> Why? I, Why would musical, they be bleeding? No, 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 no. Not my thing at all. But that's great. Oh. I'm excited for you. I know I could just I can just picture you there and the joy, Val, because I know you've been <laughs> to many of these sorts of nights, but yeah. And um I'm going to be Oh, goodness me. My list is so long. It's a bit crazy actually. Um Oh, you know what I did that was interesting though? I just thought this is like got absolutely nothing to do with anything. But, oh yeah, this week I am going to the media screening for this new movie that's out. I think I told you about it um, called Blinded by the Light. And it is um, going to be out worldwide in August. It did really well at Sundance. It's about a young Pakistani boy who moves from Pakistan when he's the three years old to Nowheresville in the UK, a place called Luton. I'm sorry mm. if you're from Luton, but anyway, um, in the UK. And it's kind of about, you know, themes of belonging and identity and home and migration and stuff like that. But at the age of 16, he gets introduced to the music of Bruce Springsteen. Hence, the movie is called Blinded by the Light. Fantastic. One of Springsteen's albums and songs. And it changes his life and it inspires him so much he wants to become a writer. So anyway, this is based on a true story. The memoir of by this real journalist was um, written in 2007. And this guy is so obsessed by Bruce Springsteen. He's been to over 150 concerts. Wow. 
to the point where Bruce starts to recognize him, you know, wow. you're in front row at all these concerts, right? Anyway, he happens to be uh, in the UK when Bruce is going down the red carpet. And this guy's such a fan. He's the kind of guy who, you know, stands outside hotels and <laughs> that sort of thing to wait for Bruce. So he was waiting on the red carpet and Bruce is coming down the red carpet and he kind of jumps out at him and with his friend and they say, we want to make this into a movie. At that point, they had not even written the script or anything. They hadn't written a screenplay at all. That he had written the book already, um, and Bruce kind of just says, "Oh yeah, talk to my people or whatever." Yeah. And at that point, this guy Safraz Mansur, he thinks, "Oh, now I got to write the movie because <laughs> I just told Bruce Springsteen I've got to. I'm going to write this movie." So he sets about then writing the screenplay for this movie, you know, uh, that it has is so rooted in his love for Springsteen. And um, uh, to cut a long story short, he the movie is out. It's it's being released, as I said, worldwide in August. The world premiere is going to be in Asbury Park, which is, if you know Bruce Springsteen, his first album is Greetings from Asbury Park. He's from Asbury Park. So, of course, this guy thinks it's the best thing out. And um, I'm going to see that movie. That, that actually, <laughs> that that sounds amazing. That that I, I would mm. go see that. It, I, I saw the uh, short. I saw the um, trailer trailer for it, and I went, "Oh my mm. god, that looks sensational!" Yes, it does. I'm yeah. on board, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I just stumbled on the trailer on YouTube, and I just started playing it. And by the end of the trailer, I just had tears streaming down my face yeah. because. I just thought that is so beautiful. It is. It's an amazing story, definitely. I mm. mean. So I will be able to report back on um, what the movie is like next time I talk to you. Oh, an interesting thing that I will also report back on, I'm going to a seminar on art licensing. And that, of course, applies to photography as well because you can license your photography. So I'm going to that seminar um, this coming week and, yeah, I will – let you Good, guys I want a I've full learnt. report, Val, or mm. like a full episode if you yeah, feel right. that way inclined. That would be great. I'll certainly report back, yeah. Can't wait. All right, cool. Yeah. Where do we find you online, Gina? So I'm at ginamilitia.com, so that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also in the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook community and also if you want to connect with me in person then check out the gold community and that's at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community what about you val you'll find me at valerie koo that's k-h-o-o on twitter and instagram and over at valeriekoo.com thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.